New Orleans Saints offseason team activities begin on Tuesday. What are some of the most important things we want to learn about the offense? We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome in to this Monday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always being a Locked on Saints, your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always keep the conversation going one-on-one with me at joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints as always i'm your host ross jackson at ross jackson nola on twitter your new orleans saints expert credential member of the media senior writer and reporter over at saints news network sports illustrated span nation site covering the new orleans saints and of course you can find me every tuesday on the locked on nfl podcast and here with you every single monday through friday on locked on saints in today's episode of locked on saints brought to you by friends over at span duel sportsbook the official sportsbook of the nfl make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at the biggest questions that we were looking for answers for when it comes to OTAs, which kick off tomorrow for the New Orleans Saints. We're going to take a look at some of the offensive line information that we're hoping to get. We're going to dive into how the pass catchers look and the questions we have around that. But the first thing I want to start off with are the offensive pieces that absolutely must be present at OTAs. And it all starts and almost ends with Derek Carr, because if Derek Carr is not in attendance, then everything that we want to know about the offense, we simply will not learn during OTAs. Derek Carr needs to be in attendance, and he needs to make his presence known, and I'm going to be honest, I have no doubt on the idea that he will. I would be surprised, shocked, I'd feel bamboozled, run amok, all those things, if Derek Carr wasn't present considering that he was out there working with some of the other pass catchers and Foster Moreau the day after Foster Moreau signed, right? Foster Moreau signed on the Wednesday and then at like 7.30 a.m. on Thursday, according to him himself, Foster Moreau, during his appearance on the Adam Schefter podcast, uh, they were all out there at 7.30 in the morning, tossing the ball around, working out, getting ready, working with one another, getting ready for OTA. So I expect that they'll be there for OTAs, guys like Derek Carr. But the other question that I want to know is what kind of leader is Derek Carr? Look, Derek Carr has been in the NFL for a long time, so you know he knows how important it is to be a leader as a quarterback, but we haven't seen him do this yet. I mean, we've seen it in Oakland and Las Vegas with the Raiders, but we haven't seen it in this system before. Is he a vocal leader? Is he someone that holds everyone accountable? Is he somebody that says something if he feels like somebody's slacking? Is he speaking up? When there's fumbles and putting the ball on the ground, drop passes, running the wrong routes, things like that. Are those the thing? And does he hold himself accountable when he makes mistakes? Those are going to be the interesting things to watch. And most of all, is he vocal about all of it? Not to the point to where you're calling people out, making them feel uncomfortable, making them feel bad. That's not a way to build a, a, a rapport with your new teammates. But certainly being somebody that comes in, takes charge, takes command, particularly in and out of the huddle, is really important. And it's going to be really interesting, too, watching him and Jake Hayner together seeing where Jameis Winston fits in that, considering that those two already have an existing relationship. 
So I'm just very curious about a lot of different things around Derek Carr, but I think the biggest thing that you need is for him to be a vocal leader. You need him to be that guy that holds everyone accountable, that calls people out if they're not getting the job done, if they're not doing their best, if they're not doing X, Y, and Z. You want the quarterback to be the guy that's taking them to task while also holding himself accountable, taking himself to task when appropriate. Saints haven't necessarily had a big time vocal leader out on the practice field from what I could see since Drew Brees. I mean, we've seen sort of Dennis Allen move around, but he leaves the offense kind of to Pete Carmichael and the offensive staff. Pete Carmichael is not a very loud guy. Uh, 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 Doug Marone was maybe the loudest coach out there during uh, training camp last year, but seeing those types of things during practice are very different considering what we see of practice, right? We see the individual drills and every now and then we see a little bit of like seven on seven stuff or walkthroughs. But outside of that, we don't really see the team drills, the real going at it type stuff that we would see during training camp and all that. So I'm curious during OTAs, is Derek Carr the one that's making his presence felt because it would behoove him, first of all, to do so. And I think it would be good for the rest of the team to have the quarterback be that guy. So I'm very interested to see Derek Carr's leadership style and how quickly he settles comfortably into that leadership role. Along with Derek Carr, another new face that I'm really, really intrigued to see is, of course, tight end Foster Moreau, who the Saints signed to a three-year, $12 million deal. And they brought him in, you know, just two months, less than two months after the Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis that came from their physical when they originally met with him in March. By May, he was signed, and now he's a New Orleans Saint. And everything that all of us have been told to told by our sources and all those things here in the New Orleans media landscape, we've all been told that we should expect to see Foster Moreau on the field during OTAs. But what is his involvement? What is his participation level? That's going to be the next piece. But hey, even knowing that he's present, working with his quarterback, getting to know Juwan Johnson and Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid and the other pass catchers that are going to be there, getting to know all of them and kind of getting comfortable makes you know, all the difference for this New Orleans Saints team. Another guy that I'm going to be really interested to see in terms of attendance is if Alvin Kamara is present. Um, Alvin Kamara plays a, a, a tricky position to want to be present for all of OTAs. Running back kind of a it's a tricky one. I would say the same thing for Jamal Williams, too, who's been in the NFL just as long. Both of those guys coming in and playing a position that takes a lot of hits, that is asked to cut, change direction, do a lot of different things that constantly puts them at risk of injury. Are they going to be present for OTAs working with their team, even if it's if there's some version of them taking it light or ramping up or something like that so that they're ready throughout? But I think that with Alvin Kamara, it gets a little bit more specific because he could potentially end up having to miss time during training camp, depending upon what the expectations are for his trial in July and all these other things. If that's the case, then some early work would help to kind of avoid that. Although it's not guaranteed that he does miss that time in training camp. They could continue the trial over and over and over again until he gets through 2023 for all we know, but very interested to see if he or Jamal Williams will be uh, present because it would make a ton of sense for both of them to be. And then that brings me to our last bit in terms of attendance questions on the offensive side. Kendra Miller as well as Michael Thomas. Those are two guys that I'm curious about when it comes to the biggest offensive pieces for the Saints and their presence. Are they around even if they're not participating? And the expectation with Kendra Miller is that that will be the case, is that he's not going to be out on the field, probably running, cutting, doing all those things. Kind of saw him gingerly making some moves during the uh, NFLPA um rookie premiere photo shoot that they did. He kind of had the ball in his hands and he was kind of gingerly just like take step jab, take step jab, take step jab, but wasn't really like going full out or anything like that, which why would you? You're taking a picture, but also why would you risk it, right? In the midst of your kind of rehabilitation. And so it'll be interesting to see 
how much he's a, how much he's present, how much he is participating, if at all, during OTAs, though we certainly don't expect him to be participating during OTAs. We expect him to be getting ready for training camp. And the same thing can be said for Michael Thomas. There's no expectation that he's going to participate during OTAs. He shocked us by being out there on the field day one of training camp last year. If he did it again this year, we would all be shocked again in terms of the timeline that we're expecting. We are expecting him to be present for training camp, but don't know what part of training camp and where when he's expected to, quote unquote, be good to go to borrow the phrase from Dennis Allen. So maybe we get an early glimpse of him at training camp, just kind of working uh, with the the rest of the receiver core, which is kind of where I want to go next, but not just the receiver core, the tight ends as well. Getting a look at the pass catchers, because the earlier that they get to work with Derek Carr, the better their season outlook becomes. So who are the keys to that? It's not just Michael Thomas. I want to see not only the presence of a couple of young wide receivers, but I want to see if their body types have changed as well. I'll explain as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode of Locked on Saints, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL and the number one sportsbook in all of America, our exclusive sportsbook partners here at the Locked on Podcast Network. So if you want to get in, on some early odds for the New Orleans Saints versus Tennessee Titans week one. Maybe you want to get in on the odds that they win the division. It's all plus odds right now. Maybe you want to take a look at their ability to win the conference. I believe that's still at plus 1,400 at the moment to be the conference champions. There's a ton of different things for you to get in on. But I also highly recommend getting in on the NBA, especially with, uh, what did the TikToker say? Jim Michael, but Jordan, uh, Jimmy Jordan, uh, Jimmy Jordan, Jimmy uh, Butler out there balling out of control and being so much fun to watch. So if you want to get in on that, they got that for you as well. So go check them out today. FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's going to give you an opportunity to get that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. It's $1,000 that comes back to you in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So NBA, NFL, or otherwise, check it out today. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again to all the everydayers out there making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to come back later on today. Locked on Saints YouTube page will be live discussing how many future Hall of Famers does this New Orleans Saints team have on it right now when it comes to active players. Want to have a discussion with you on that one. So make sure you come through for the live show or you can catch it later uh, right afterwards wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you as always. Uh, for being here with us for another episode of Locked on Saints. We're taking a look at the biggest question marks for the New Orleans Saints heading into OTAs, particularly over on the offensive side and the and the kind of answers that we're looking for. So the first thing that I mentioned a moment ago is that the, the more time that the Saints pass catchers and Derek Carr are working together, that they, the more time that they spend working together, the better their 2023 season outlook becomes. If they don't spend any time out on the field together until training camp, then you kind of have to wonder how long the calibration period is going to be for them to start training camp and then when the real work begins after that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a boatload of these offensive play callers or or play or, or pass catchers, excuse me, uh playmakers uh on the field with Derek Carr day one of OTAs and getting some work in these next three weeks. And that becomes really important. And it's not just the presence on the field. It's the quality of that presence. It's the participation and also the off-season work that may have already happened. As I mentioned earlier, Foster Moreau says that last Thursday or, or two Thursdays ago, they were out there on the field at 7.30 in the morning over at the state's practice facility getting some work in, getting ready for training camp. And I'm sure that's not the one and only time that they have done that. We've seen a bunch of different photos of uh, via Michael Thomas's uh, 
Instagram of him and Chris Olave months ago out on the lake and out on the or or at the beach, wherever it was that they were, uh, you know, and 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 probably in California training just like they were last year, all of that. So you know that these guys have had some touch points over the course of the offseason for sure, but doing it with the coaches at the NF at the Saints facility, with the playbook, all these other things makes all the difference. And it's not just necessarily about presence and participation. I'm also curious about guys like Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed, both of which, mostly Chris Olave, but I'm sure it was on Rashid Shaheed's mind as well, kind of looking to bulk up over the course of this offseason. Did they do that successfully or is OTAs up to leading up to minicamp kind of the period to get that done? Um, We saw Chris Olave kind of fall a little bit when it came to contested catches at the next level. He was one of the top contested catch receivers in his draft class, according to guys like Reception Perception and all that. But then when you look at 2022, he didn't have as much success as you're accustomed to seeing him have in those situations, although he did find success in those situations here and there, um, as you saw during during his time with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, In 2022, just this past year, his contested catch percentage according conversion percentage according to uh pro football focus was just 33.3%. Now that was 8 catches out of 24 contested catch opportunities per pro football focus. So this was a big thing that the Saints had to deal with after they lost um Michael Thomas early on in the season. And so seeing a more bulked up Chris Olave who said that he wanted to do that, he wanted to come in a little bit more bulked up in 2023 probably helps him in situations where he's he's got to fight for the ball and things like that. Now, he is not afraid to fight for the ball. I mean, think back to the the catch that ended up giving him a concussion, basically, uh, in the back of the end zone or on the the sideline of the end zone, just at the boundary against the Seattle Seahawks last year. That was the contested catch situation, and he fought to win that battle. So, you know, he has the want to. Now he wants to add the size. Was he able to do that before OTAs or OTAs is a big part of that? And I think Rashid Shahid if I recall correctly, had some of the same kind of things where it's like, yeah, I just want to kind of bulk up a little bit, but continue to work on, you know, things that he already does well, route running, speed, things like that, find more ways to be utilized in the offense, all of that. But if he bulks up a little bit and maintains his speed, same thing with Chris Olave, they become a really dangerous pairing in and of themselves. Then you add Michael Thomas that and all of a sudden things kind of skyrocket. So very curious to see if the body type for those receivers has taken a step into bulkier, but maintaining their speed. Next up, I want to take a look at the guys that are already big, right? The already big guys. A.T. Perry, Brian Edwards, Traquan Smith. I doubt, like I mentioned before, that Michael Thomas is going to be participating in OTAs, though he may be present, eager to see that. So that would give that X receiver spot on the outside, that split in spot, to somebody like Brian Edwards or Traquan Smith or maybe even A.T. Perry. And the fact of the matter is that all three of them are going to get run. And the good news is that all three of them are going to get run with good quarterbacks that are going to be able to maximize their abilities one way or another. Derek Carr, because of his ability to do a little bit of everything on the field. Jameis Winston, because of his ability to stretch the field. Uh, Jake Hayner, because of his ability to place a pass on time and in the right place, right? His ball placement is spectacular from what we saw during during minicamps. So now we get an opportunity to see guys like A.T. Perry, Brian Edwards, Traquan Smith, and maybe even Shaq Davis too, get those opportunities to work at that split in. But with A.T. Perry, I'm also curious to see how much work he gets and opportunity he gets in the slot. He was very, very clear that that's a place that he wanted to be able to contribute and continue to be able to add to his game. And so will he get an opportunity to do that starting with OTAs with the New Orleans Saints? 
We mentioned Foster Moreau's presence being one that we're eager to see, but of course, his participation is one that we're going to be eager to see as well. Just how much will he participate, if at all, or will he just kind of be there? Not just. There's really no just to this, right? Being present matters, even if you're not participating when it comes to OTAs, because you're still doing the classroom stuff, all the stuff that we're never going to be able to tweet about, right? Because it's happening behind closed doors and it's in the meeting rooms, the film rooms, the the tight end room, all those things, the position rooms, all that. We, we don't see those things. And so for us, or for me, what I'm curious about is his participation if it goes beyond just that. But that isn't to discount his simply being present. So for me, his participation can be something that could be really interesting because A, what a cool story, right? Like if he's out there on Tuesday running routes and catching passes, which would be just barely over two months from the date in March of the the diagnosis, or at least when the Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis became public knowledge. So, I mean, you get a guy like Foster out there less than two months later, running routes, catching passes, all that. It just becomes a really cool story as well. And sticking in that tight end room, curious to see where Taysom Hill moves around, right? Always very interested to see where Taysom Hill is going to line up and take snaps. And very curious as well to track Juwan Johnson's development because he showed up bulked up when he came and talked to us. Uh, when we saw him at the uh, his contract uh, presser when he signed his second contract, we saw him again just last week at the um, uh, the golf tournament, the the golf classic for the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame, and he looked even bigger then than he did when he signed that second contract. And we got to talk to him uh, at the facility. So very excited to see that tight end room where Taysom Hill is, how Lucas Kroll has made his developments, Will Foss Moreau participate, and what happens with Jawan Johnson. But it doesn't come down to just the newsmakers, the pass catchers, the running backs, all that. It comes down to the offensive line as well. And just like those pass catchers, there's a lot of value to the offensive line being on the field as early as possible and working with Derek Carr. But there's a lot of injuries that they have to overcome in order to make that happen. Let's talk about that as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints, asking all of our biggest questions that we hope to see answered when it comes to OTAs, which begin tomorrow on Tuesday. And in tomorrow's morning episode, we'll take a look at our biggest questions that we hope will be answered over on the defensive side. So we'll get to both sides of the ball before uh, the first day of OTAs kicks off. And just as a reminder, I'll be there for OTAs. Uh, so let me know what you want to know. I'll make sure that I get some you know, good information from you, for you. And basically what we'll do for Tuesday is kind of just as soon as I get home and settled and get done writing, we'll go live and then chat about like what I observed during OTAs and all that. So we'll, we'll get to that a little bit earlier than we've been getting to most of our usual uh, live streams, which have been around like 6, 6.30 PM. Okay, Ross, stop talking. Um, let's get to the offensive line. So the offensive line is the next piece that I have the biggest questions about when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. Um, and the fact of the matter is that the offensive line needs to be out on the field together as quickly as possible. And the first big question is how many of the starting five are in attendance? Ryan Ramchek finished the season battling injury. Uh, Trevor Penning finished the season on injured reserve. Andrew Pete finished the season battling injury. Cesar Ruiz battled, battled uh, or was on injured reserve at the end of the season. Uh, Eric McCoy battled injury throughout the year. So how many of those starting five are available and present during OTAs working with their new quarterback? And usually I would be the guy that's out here saying, because I'm very play, pro player, I would usually be the guy out here saying, 
hey, well, you know, the players don't necessarily need to be out there. Like Ryan Ramchick's enough of a veteran. You can plug him in during training camp. He'll be fine and all that. And usually I, I, I would be that guy. But this time around, I'm kind of looking at the addition of the quarterback as kind of being the X factor. It kind of changes everything. It's the catalyst. It's the linchpin for where the the thought process really is for me about where the Saints uh, need for OTA participation and presence is. You had change the quarterback, everybody should be present as quickly and as early as possible. So Ryan Ramchick, Andrew Speed, Trevor Penning, Cesar Ruiz, how many of those guys are going to be out there that are all returning from injury effectively? How many of them are going to be present? How many of them can be present? Where is Trevor Penning along his recovery? Um, Cesar Ruiz, we know, just got the boot off not too long ago. So how close is he to being available? How close is he to being present? So we'll get a look at both of those, uh, you know, those two big question marks, but Ryan Ramchick, Andrews Pete, Eric McCoy, all battled injury as well. Next up, where does rookie Nick Saldaveri end up lining up for the majority of OTAs? He mentioned during many camps that he was getting early work at right guard. How long before they try him at left guard? How long before he gets an opportunity at center? How many different positions will they look at Nick Saldaveri? to see kind of the maximum or how to potentially maximize his time here in New Orleans. And how quickly does he end up getting first team snaps, second team snaps, things like that once we get to training camp? Maybe that's more of a training camp question than an OTA question, but we'll start to get a little bit of a glimpse of how confident the Saints really are about Nick Saldaveri during OTAs. Now, listen, we know that they're confident, right? They traded up to make sure that they got the very first selection of the fourth round, day three, and they chose Nick Saldaveri with several other very good offensive linemen on the board, like Chandler Zavala out of NC State, who went to Carolina, and others. I like Nick Saldaveri. I'm not saying that they made the right wrong choice. All I'm saying is that we already know that the Saints are very confident in him. Now, how quickly does that translate to the field, and how quickly does he make good on that confidence, which obviously he would want to do as quickly as possible. Similarly to Nick Saldaveri, I want to look at the UDFA, Mark Evans, out of the University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, UAPB, which is the same same uh, alma mater as Teron Armstead, who the Saints drafted years ago. Um, and so I'm curious to see where Mark Evans gets his opportunities and how much overlap there is between him and some of the other guys that are going to be playing guard along with him. Let's say that Andrews Pete and Cesar Ruiz aren't there. Where does Calvin Throckmorton fit in? Where does uh, where does James Hurst fit in? And where does Mark Evans fall in that sort of hierarchy of offensive linemen? And of course, where is the relationship in terms of the usability or usefulness of, or let me not say usefulness, let me say deployment of both Mark Evans and Nick Saldaveri should they find themselves on the field at the same time? Those things are going to be very interesting because the Saints could be looking for two new guards next year. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Cesar Ruiz which does not mean that they're officially out on him, but does complicate matters a little bit rather than having him under contract. And then Andrus Pete is, I would say, very unlikely to be a New Orleans Saint beyond 2023 because guys don't take pay cuts and change their contracts so that their contract expires that year. And then just to re-sign with the team, that doesn't make any sense, right? So I think that when you look at where the Saints are, they could potentially have two new starting guards next year could those starting guards be Nick Saldaveri and Mark Evans? We may start to get a little bit of a glimpse in the confidence that the Saints have around those guys sooner rather than later. And then what's the depth behind their starters? So not just the split between where are these guys lining up, but where is the rest of this depth? Where is Landon Young in his development? Where does a guy like um, 
a, a guy like Scott Lashley plug in who the Saints just uh, recently signed? Where does Storm Norton plug in? Where is the Saints depth? Because they know they're probably going to have to tap into it at some point in 2023. It's just the reality of playing in the NFL. There are going to be injuries. And oftentimes, big guys deal with injuries more often. And, and look, in the uh, in, in the trenches, you're taking micro hit after micro hit after micro hit in the head over and over and over again. These things end up having an impact on players and their longevity. And so eventually you're going to have injuries on the offensive line. You're going to have big man injuries. You're going to have injuries in the trenches, fingers, all these other things, toes, whatever. It happens. It's going to happen. And so the Saints need to be very confident in their depth. So how confident are they in the depth when it comes to the young guys, Nick Saldaveri, Mark Evans, Scott Lashley, how confident are they in the older guys that are a little bit more accustomed to the system, Landon Young, Calvin Throckmorton, James Hurst, the addition of a veteran like Storm Norton, how do all of they? How do all of them factor in behind the starting five? And out of the starting five, how many are present and how much opportunity does that allot guys like Nick Saldaveri and Mark Evans to start working with Derek Carr because there's real value there for that opportunity. And listen, if the Saints offensive line, second, you know, full offensive line is there and the second team guys aren't working with Derek Carr, then they at least still get to work with Jameis Winston who knows this system. And that's huge, right? You're not working with a guy that just spent half a year on the roster or working with a guy that just got in on the roster like a Trevor Simeon or third team. You're working with a guy like Jake Hayner who has spent his entire life watching and studying Drew Brees, watching and learning from Derek Carr and getting familiar with the New Orleans Saints offense. So maybe he has a little bit more of a head start than a guy that has never even so much as paid attention to the system before. So I think there's a lot of good stuff there that can happen for this New Orleans Saints offensive line. And the Saints offense can't run any kind of positive way without a steady offensive line. And that means steady in terms of availability, but it could also mean steady simply in terms of talent, one to well, you know, first, second, third team. And the deeper that talent pool runs, the better off the Saints are. And the more experienced that talent pool becomes with their new quarterback, the better off they will be. Coming up later on today, how many Hall of Famers do the New Orleans Saints actively have on their roster? I can for sure name one, but are there more? We'll get to that in our live episode. And in tomorrow's episode, same thing we did today, but all the questions that we're looking for answers for over on the defensive side when it comes to OTAs. Appreciate you as always for making Locked on Saints a part of your day and a part of your routine. And of course, if you want to keep the conversation going beyond just making us your first listen, make sure you join the subtext group over at subtext.com slash locked on saints. Thanks again for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi and a humongous special shout out to my homie, Ben, who I got to meet over at Bayou Boogaloo. Been listening to Locked on Saints for a long time. He said he's been you know, relying on the show to be able to keep up from Virginia at the time and all that. So super dope to be able to uh, be able to help somebody like that and, and be able to give back to the city uh, that I love so much and people that are fans of the team, wherever they are of the city uh, that I love so much. Got more shout outs coming up for you. There's somebody else that I want to give a shout out to as well, but I like to keep these individual per episode. So we'll get to that one later on today. Appreciate you as always, y'all. Thank you very much. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter, Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.